0: The stories of some of the world's greatest women unfold here. I am Annette Comer, your host, and each week, the untold secrets of success, strength, and boldness of today's powerful women are revealed. This woman grew up in an educated family in a small, rural town. Her father treated her like a boy, so she assumed she could do anything boys could do. And she always expected to do her best and seemed to excel in most things. Early on, medicine caught her attention and she decided instead of marrying a doctor like many others desired, she would be the doctor. And as she moved through medical school, diagnostic radiology became her chosen direction. She eventually became in the American College of Radiology and was elected to the board. Today, she continues to walk her path to greatness as she continues to be a major influencer in the radiology field of medicine. It is my pleasure to introduce you to Dr. Catherine Everett. Hi, Catherine. Thank you for joining me today. Hi, Annette. Thank you for having me. Well, and we're going to have so much fun today. We have limited time, so I'm going to jump right on in, okay? Okay. So you told me you always wanted to be number one in your field yet you didn't have a lot of confidence. Do you have plenty of confidence these days? Um, I
1: liken myself to Winston Churchill. The older I have gotten, the better I've gotten, and the more confident I've gotten. Um, He's sort of my, not my hero, but I read a lot about him, and I know he had some quirks and some (laughs) faults, but the way he approached aging was phenomenal, and I would like to say I'm trying to do the same thing.
0: And how hard was it for you to hang on to your confidence in such a competitive male-dominated space?
1: Honestly, when I started, I wasn't very confident, but as the more I succeeded, the more confident I became. It took me a long time, but I have realized that I am competitive. I can stand in the room with about anybody, and as I've gotten older, I'm willing to try it more and really stand my ground.
0: Interesting. So before I leave this, because you've said something that's kind of interesting, you know, sometimes women think of competition as almost as a dirty word. Mm -hmm. And I am like you in that competition is not something that I'm afraid of. And I think women think it's a dirty word because they think it's all around ego. Do you think that's true? Particularly women my age were almost
1: groomed to let the man win, to um, you know defer to the man. And my father didn't look at me that way. As you said, he treated me like a boy and he expected me to do the same things my brothers did and as well as they did and compete with them. So it never, even though the culture was deferential to men, I personally never felt that growing up. And so... When I walked in a classroom, I didn't look around and say, oh, geez, I'm not going to do well because there are a bunch of men in here. I actually looked around and said, oh, gosh, it looks like there are some really smart women in here. So I was more competitive, actually, with women just because of you know, the way I grew up.
0: Right. Interesting. And your parents actually did you a favor, your father, in treating you that way mm-hmm. because you never knew there was any other way to be. So as a, a full-time practicing physician, you also became the mother of five children. Mm-hmm. Now, most would see this as a tough balancing act. So what were your secrets to pulling it all off?
1: I decided early on that I was going to focus on two things. My job, my profession locally, you know, to be the best radiologist I could, and also to spend the time that I had other than that with my children and doing things that were important to them and to me, actually which was doing things with them. So a lot of the uh, professional societies and places that normally people would go to further their networking and further their careers statewide and nationally, I just didn't participate in. I've said to many a radiology friend, Rip Van Winkle, I'm disappear from uh, radiology societies for 20 years, 25 years until... I get my family where they are independent, and then I'm going to jump back in and give back what people have given to me who volunteered all these years.
0: Now, that's a beautiful thing. And you said something that I hope those listening really paid attention to, because you didn't make it an all or nothing, meaning you didn't say, I either have a career or i be a mother, which I think so often women feel the pressure to make that choice. Yeah. I know for me, I felt that that pressure, and I chose career over children. But you found a beautiful way to do it. You said, okay, I'm not going to engage at the highest level in my career that I know I'm capable of, but I'm not going to step out either. I'm going to stay current and be the mother on the weekends that I so much want to be.
1: I also had something that mothers have to have. I mean, absolutely have great childcare. I think solving that problem, certainly for me, was the most important thing. My husband helped, but he had a job that was traveled some. So I had to have someone who was available, who could be with my children if I was on calling and got called in, um, who loved them and who treated them like they were
0: her children. Right. And she did. She's still with my family. Everybody, we love her. So she became a family member, didn't she? You no, know, she's a family member. No question. Yeah, no doubt about it for sure. And I'm sure your children feel that as well. So the I'm not good enough voice. Was something you struggled with. And I've certainly have struggled with that as well. So what advice would you give as to how to not let the not good enough voice negatively impact a woman's success path and dreams? I think you've
1: always got to step out of your comfort zone. I know that's kind of a cliche, but you just have to do it. When you look at things and say, well, gee, I don't know if I can succeed at that, I don't know if I'll feel comfortable. Um, For me, it's public speaking. I forced myself to do it, and I wasn't very good at it to begin with. But, you know, the more I've worked at it, the better I've gotten. If you just sit back and relax and don't challenge yourself, you don't grow. And frankly, I don't think you can be happy that way. That may be a personality trait, I have to admit, but you just have to keep trying, and you will succeed. Not all the time, but the more you do it, the
0: more you practice, the better you get. Let's, let's stay in this space for a second, Catherine, because this not good enough voice, I think, is particularly predominant for women that are very driven. We have very high expectations of ourselves, and we never quite measure up to the mark of what we think we should be capable of doing. In a reality, we probably exceed most people's abilities of what they can do just with our driven personalities and not giving up. But I'm wondering if, Part of the problem that we have is our expectations of ourselves. Because you said something key. You told me that the way you moved past it was you realized you weren't going to be very good at the beginning. And you accepted that.
1: Yes. Again, it's comfort zone to me. It's just I look at something and if if I think I want to do it and I'm a little bit challenged and a little bit uncomfortable about it, then I go for it. I know that sounds kind of crazy, but it's the way I enjoy life. I think another thing, and maybe it's me, but it's having somebody to compare yourself with. I grew up in the rural South, in a very small town, in a small family, and we were all farmers. And I had no idea whether I could be competitive with someone from New York City or you know, somebody that went to a private school. And so every time I faced a challenge, like going to school at Duke, I never knew until I got in the situation whether I was competitive or not. And by that, I mean just would I fit in? Would I be able to do what was expected of me? So I think that added some to the insecurity or the not good enough. I think everyone has to realize you got to try. You'll find out. I mean, eventually something will happen and you'll figure out where you are. But if you don't keep trying, you'll never know.
0: Yeah. And I'm going to stay in this space just a little longer because it leads into my next question, which is talking about this comfort zone. Because in a previous conversation, you told me, and you were pretty blunt about this, that you felt that the comfort zone could be a person's worst enemy. And do you think that we as women tend to stay in our comfort zones a little too long? I think it depends on the personality
1: or the nature of the woman. You know, Women, and we discuss this, There are certain people that are driven. There's an internal something that just always pushes you to do more or do better or take on another challenge. And everybody's not built that way. So I think I have a lot of friends that are extremely happy where they are. They could have done more things, really smart friends, but they're happy in the space that they're in. They don't feel like they missed out, but I would have. So I think that you, you got to recognize who you are, but make sure it's who you are and not that something that somebody else has put on you. Yeah. I'll, I'll go back to the culture of, you know, deferential. I'm not trashing men here, but I mean, that was a culture when I was growing up.
0: Well, I, and that is a culture that still exists in many spaces. that mm-hmm. are still like that for sure. sure. So the best advice you ever got came from a local surgeon who told you to stop underestimating yourself. So do you think this is a problem for women? And how did you break through this? Well, it is a problem
1: for women in general. It's, I think it's getting better with mentorship and sponsorship. It's getting better. Other than my father, who I told you already had influenced me tremendously. And my mother, too. I'm not trying to put it all on him because they both approached us that way. You know, I had a fabulous mentor in my residency, who treated me like all the men. You know, I was one of the very first female residents in the program. There were only 13 female medical students in my class out of 150. But my chief, he was totally sex blind. He didn't see me or my fellow resident, Kathleen, as anything other than a good resident. And he treated us that way. He rewarded us. You know, If we did something wrong, he no different than the men. He was awesome. And then my orthopedic surgeon friend, was very similar. You know, he would challenge me on cases, but he'd say, you're right, stand up for yourself.
0: So, how do we as women, do you think, how do we keep from underestimating ourselves? How do we check ourselves to make sure we aren't playing too small? Again, uh, you got to step out.
1: You got to open your eyes and see what's out there. And if it's something that interests you, try it. It's it's always nice to have support. You know, I really think you should stay away from toxic people, uh, people that drag you down. It's important to do that. And I've done it. I mean, I've cut off relationships of people that I thought were not supportive of me or not supportive of women in general. And some of them are women. But um, you can't take a lot of garbage with you. You got to, you know, look out for yourself. And if it's something you want to do, don't let somebody else, put you down or discourage you if it's
0: appropriate. Yeah, and, and I think you've made a good point there that you can't take the garbage along with you because it tends to weigh you down, doesn't it? Right. I think it sometimes does. women have trouble letting go with the garbage. I think there's a feeling of guilt uh, that we should be uh, nurturing to all and should be, I don't know. Sure. I, I don't know what, I can't write the right description is, but I sense it in myself at times of feeling almost uh, that I'm abandoning somebody.
1: I think it's also, um, you know, when we'll get back to children, when you do things as a mother and there are other mothers around, particularly I think in, in a situation when my children were growing up and I was in the South in a small town, even in my profession, some women are intimidated by a professional woman, Actually, some mothers actually sort of shunned my children. You know, they weren't included in things because I wasn't able to do, you know, I wasn't a den mother, so my children weren't in Boy Scouts. But you have to, in that situation, I think it's important not to be overbearing, not to be intimidating, but still be who you are. You can't turn into, um, you know, I cut up 25 oranges today for the soccer team if, in fact, you didn't have time to do it that day. So maybe you stopped at, you know, bought a bag of pineapple from the grocery store, which works. You know, I think you can fit in, but still maintain who you are. And it's hard for some women. They feel, particularly working women, they feel challenged by maybe not doing as well as with their children as they think they should.
0: Stay in this space for a second longer, because it leads, and again, to my next question. So, leaders often underestimate how their comments can derail someone. Has there been a time when you have been derailed by a negative comment or judgment from another leader? Um, I I can
1: tell you, interestingly, in business school. Now, I went to business school when I was in mid to late career, and I went to uh, you know a well-respected school in the Northeast. My classmates were generally in their 30s and 40s, and I was older, and that's probably the first time I've ever really kind of felt like I was looked down. I never, I don't know, it was was an unusual situation. I felt like the young men in the class were sort of bitter or um, condescending um, because they didn't think I belonged there. I mean, I did great. Uh, mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm good yeah. at academics, you know, I just
0: <laughs> <You're am. gray. laughs> so,
1: so I did great, and you know, most, by the end of it, it was fine, but it, you know, by the end, we were all pretty good friends, but um, I thought it was interesting that that late in my career, that late in my life, that I would run into more hostility than I did as a, you know, as a medical student, so. I don't know if you want an anecdote, but I, I, we were in a statistics class or we were doing the statistics. And I, I mean, gracious, I hadn't been in statistics in a long time. So, uh, and one of the fellows in the class who I actually thought a lot of had majored and had recently, you know, he'd been out of college five years. So when he made a comment about something that I said, I thought, well, I must be wrong because you know he's younger, he's smarter, he's been out, he's done this. And of course, a week later, we get into the next level. And what I had said was absolutely right. I was ahead of the game. Um, and and he, he acknowledged it. So that, you know, that kind of thing, I still, again, I'm pointing out, I was insecure in my thinking,
0: even though I was right at that point. So it never completely goes away. So you told me that you often saw women in surgery being brutalized and that most didn't make it through their residency. In your opinion, how can women prepare themselves for such tough situations? Because they certainly still experience tough situations.
1: They do. There's still a lot of um, there's still a lot of that, and particularly in the surgical fields, I think. But there are great allies out there. There are great mentors out there, and you just have to look for them. But they're there, and they will support you. So I think you know, if you got a problem, go to somebody you can trust, and. I don't think the answer is to go on Twitter and bash people. You know, that seems to be sort of what's going on now. I think you got to handle it in your own space. And at some point, you may have to confront somebody. You know, you can actually say, you know, this is not right. You are not treating me correctly. I'm doing fine. And I'm not going to take this. I don't care if it's a senior resident or an attending or, you know, the best surgeon in the hospital. That person is not allowed to treat you inappropriately. And you have to do it. You can't yell and scream and, and and burst into tears. You just have to basically say it in a standard voice, but this is inappropriate and I'm not going to put up with it. Most of the time, those situations are not related to someone who's not skilled or someone who doesn't do the work or someone, If you're if you're criticized for that, that is appropriate. If you want to be a surgeon, you got to be a good surgeon. You can't just not show up for rounds and not practice and all that. But if it's something that you're pointed a finger at that's not appropriate, you have to say so.
0: So do you believe that women in medicine still face prejudice, gender injustices, and sexual harassment, or you think these have all disappeared with the empowerment movement?
1: It's not disappeared. I don't think it's any worse now that women are 50% of medical schools or greater. I don't think it's any worse than other professions. And it's certainly I, mean, I don't know about entertainment, but it, if you read about in the entertainment professions, I don't think it's nearly as bad as that. I think most women now, uh, particularly with their peers, are well you know, their age level well treated and and fairly treated.
0: But that certainly those things still exist. There's certainly sexual harassment oh, yeah. that still happens. Sure. I mean, one of my
1: partners, who's also female, um said she's told me some stories that is just to me unbelievable I, I don't know if I was unapproachable, not attractive or whatever. <laughs> I, nobody ever did anything like that to me. maybe I was too mean, but anyway, but it certainly, I mean, it certainly happens still. and and again, I think you gotta nip it in the butt right off whoever it is and whatever it is
0: yeah, I agree with you, I agree with you so self Care is important. I think you and I both were very much in agreement on that. So have you been good at self care through the years? And then once you answer that, I want you to tell me, was it easier in your self care space to take care of yourself physically, mentally, or emotionally? Or did you like it someplace along the way?
1: My spiritual care of myself is sitting and looking at the river or sitting and looking at the ocean. I mean, that is, that's my space. That's my, it's what I love. I feel uncomfortable when I'm not around water. Uh, So that's, that's it for the spiritual part. Exercise and diet, which are of course, a part of it. I pretty much have had reasonable exercise all my life. And the years that I hadn't, probably my children were really small and it was hard for me to work and then go out again. You know, those years I wasn't so much, but certainly now I, mean, I, I do CrossFit. Now I still water ski, I still wakeboard, and, and it's fun. I think it's great that I can keep going like that. Food not too well. I I still like sugar, <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I'm trying. So, what do you say to women when they say they don't have time for self care? You just got to find time. I did it
1: when my children were real small, over periods. Now, I might stop something for six months, but then I'd start back doing something. You just have to find it. And when I did do that, I wasn't comfortable with myself. So I think you've just Mm -hmm. got to say that's part of your day, whatever it is. You don't have to spend hours doing it. I can sit and look at the river for 15 minutes, and I feel like I'm a new person. You know, I watch the boats go by, I watch the birds, I watch, and and it's just, it's, it's my meditation.
0: And even with the exercise, I find that the concept of the high intensity training, I Mm -hmm. can do a 15 minute workout each day and I can get the benefits that I could get in an hour at the gym. So I think the old belief that you have to do something for an hour to two hours to get any benefit is no longer true, whether it's in the meditation space or in the physical space or even in the emotional space, whatever that is. Mm -hmm. Dr. Catherine, is there anything about your journey to greatness that we haven't covered that you'd like to share with other women?
1: Being the HIM and having just recently been elected to the Board of Chancellors of the American College of Radiology, I think it's important that women not just stop. I mean, if it's something you want to do, don't look at it as I can't do it because I'm a woman, I can't do it because I'm old, I can't do it for whatever reason. If it's something you want to do and you've got the faculties to do it, you should try. I'm I'm hoping I will approach my next 20 years the same way I approached the last 10, which was aggressively looking for fun things to do and things that challenge me and things that are intellectually challenging. And I don't think I'll get back to school, but I've thought about it. Life is too short to just say I'm too old or I'm, I'm a woman or I don't have time or I'm not smart enough or whatever. You just, if it's something you want to do, try.
0: Brilliant, brilliant wisdom. Because I do think society tells us there's cutoff places where (laughs) we should no longer do this or that, whether it's being too young or too old. And I think your advice to not buy that line hook, line and sinker, but to create your own story is brilliant.
1: One thing I said to my children over and over and over again You don't know for sure what it is you're going to do eventually, but don't put yourself in a situation where you've cut off all your options or your best options.
0: Just remember that. Yeah, I think that's very good advice. Catherine, it's been wonderful having you today. I know you are a very busy woman with your patients and all the other things that you're supporting, and I just really appreciate you taking time to come and share your many, many years of wisdom that you have hard-earned for sure, that will bring value to the rest of the world. Well, thank you so much for having me. I've I've enjoyed it. Yes. And Dr. Catherine is another great example of how women are challenging the norm, making things happen, and demanding their own greatness. So join me next time on the World's Greatest Women Show as another powerful woman story unfolds.